Tell me one thing that Cricket Scotland have ever done to market club cricket in Scotland. They've done zero. But yeah, no, thanks for coming on. I was saying to Liam, like you're, you're one of the inspirations about why I presume there's three or four now podcasts on cricket in Scotland. <laughs> I, um, I think you're overstating the mark there a little. <laughs> no, I, I really enjoyed the, the Crick Index one that you and uh, Gary Heatley and, and Shaky. And who, who was the... Was it uh, the there was Neil Dryden there, there to start with, then uh, then uh, Frank got involved uh, oh, from Frank the, old, the umpire, yeah. yeah, and then uh, and then Cassim Sheikh on uh, in the last season, Gary Heatley. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was the sort of inspiration for us because that's what we wanted to talk about. Do you know what I mean? Like when the when the leagues got split up into east and west, you sort of you did, I, mean, I would always look at the scores, but you never really sort of know what's yeah. really going on when you just look at a scorecard, don't you? So. No, I really enjoyed the sort of you covering those those games. It was it was one of those where we were kind of completely in the dark because we went on with uh, with Gary Heatley and Neil Drysdale, and obviously everything was East related. So yeah. we were we got slammed. <laughs> uh, Prest, uh, Gregor Preston Jones was right on our case. You know what I mean? It's oh. like so so we realised after show one that uh, we were either going to have to change it. Oh, we were going to have uh, pickets outside from the phone house buses that they'd have brought through to uh, to make sure that we upped our game on the west side. So that was where we had to bring someone from the west on to uh, to sort ourselves out. And from then on, we got pretty good feedback all around. Uh, obviously, we were uh, criticised for some of the stuff, but obviously, podcasting was very new then. It wasn't uh, it wasn't like it is today, where uh, the shows on anything and everything, no matter what your niche is. I, I just finished watching a TV show. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. It's called. Uh, and catch fire it was about computer technology and stuff and building computers and the internet in the early days in the 70s 80s and stuff like that and uh, no one watched this show it's one of the best things i've ever seen i thought there has to be podcasts <laughs> so i typed it into the podcast thing and honestly i must have found about 300 podcasts you know what i mean and it's like it just shows you that all this stuff's uh all this stuff's covered i uh, well I've, I've not seen that show have you seen it liam no no i mean no one has that's the problem it's the best show that nobody's ever watched uh What's it on? <laughs> Netflix. It's a, it was on Netflix. I think it's gone off Netflix now. Uh, I think it's still on Amazon Prime. Whether you have to pay for it or not, I'm not quite sure. I, I, I watched it on US. I watched it on AMC, which is a US network, but I happen, oh, to, right. run a VPA, I happen to run a VPN company, so it's, uh, it's not a say. hard thing to be, uh, to be able to access content like that. You can watch anything you want, can't you? Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, yeah, I mean, we wanted to speak to you, Eddie, because you've got an experience of sort of running a cricket club um, in Glenrothes and sort of the pros and the cons of it. Um, so basically I just wanted to find out sort of when when did you first come across Glenrothes? Have you stayed in Glenrothes for a while? Or yeah, I, the year I about? moved here, I, 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 uh, I moved to Scotland and there is podcasts chronicling my story, which I can send you links to, but it's, uh, <laughs> so we're not going to go into all that. But I moved to Scotland in 1993. Uh, I, was oh, right. raised, uh, I was raised in... Uh, all over my dad was air force so i was kind of raised all over the world certainly all over europe and uh, i was a boarding school kid uh, the uh, so i went to boarding school near northamptonshire and got along to see the likes of david capel curtly ambrose and guys like that as a cricketer i moved to scotland in 93 uh in, in after i left school and it was coming to august so it was coming to the end of the cricket season 
I asked if uh, anyone, I lived, was living in Kakodi at the time, and I asked if anyone knew uh, any local cricket clubs, and uh, no one actually told me there was two clubs in Kakodi for some reason. I didn't even know that, you know what I mean? So I ended up, I ended up going up, I ended up going to Falkland for one training session, uh, and the season ended, and then I completely lost interest in cricket for 10 years. So that, that, that's literally it. You know what I mean? It was nothing against the training session at Falkland. I should have. That was absolutely <laughs> yeah. nice. It was, uh, it was just, uh, I got into going to the football and kind of learning about Scottish football and the football season never seemed to end. So it was kind of just one of those things. I completely forgot about cricket. I still, still watch the test matches and stuff like that when they were Aye. on Channel 4 and all of that, but nothing really to do with cricket. And then I moved to Glenrothes in 2004. Bought a house up here. My wife was from here. So, uh, so we came here and uh, I just happened to be walking the dog one day down the uh, the old ground where I know you've been, the Riverside Park. Uh, you came for a game that never got started there one time. And uh, the we were walking about there and uh, saw the cricket club. And uh, I went and spoke to the guys and they were telling me it was the oldest sports club in the town. And they had this good story, you know what I mean? And I like, yeah. So, and I, and they, they were telling me they were struggling to get numbers and they were going to be going down to one team and all this sort of stuff. And uh, I thought that can't be a town this size can't be in the situation where they're going to go down to one team, you know what I mean? And that that can be the death knell for a lot of teams going down to one team, you know what I mean? I was going to it's say, all yeah. well and good. It's all well and good having the elite side of cricket, but you have to have the community side as well, because something that we may talk about this in this podcast is that if you don't have the community side, then the club will eventually die. The community side is so important, as well as the elite side, and getting the amalgamation of those two to work is the key to a successful club. And uh, I just I didn't really get too heavily involved. I gave them some ideas. I helped them get off the ground with a website because they didn't really have one. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're going back now. Everyone's doing the stuff I'm going to say now, but you know what I mean? It was things like social media was just started to service. I told them about getting on that. I hooked them up with a couple of contacts from the business world to bring a bit of money into the club, uh, trying to do sponsorship. But, and we can speak about sponsorship in more detail, but not, not with a begging bowl mentality. Cricket, yeah. cricket as a minority cricket as a minority sport in Scotland. Yeah. Certainly in terms of the media, not by participation. I couldn't believe how big it was as a participation sport in Scotland. But it was a big ball mentality. Clubs were going to their friends and saying, Do you, Oh, you have a business, will you give us fifty quid sponsorship towards the cricket club? You know, Aye. <laughs> you know what I mean? It had to be bang for their buck. It had to be, there's no point. You have to go and do something that would say to a club, look, you can sponsor us and we'll make a point of making sure your name gets out there. You know what I mean? Really working on it. Really, really putting the effort in to show them that it was worth not just sponsoring you for 50 quid for one year. Maybe start with 50 quid, but if we do this and we achieve these milestones, would you maybe give us 100 quid next year? Would you maybe give us 500 quid the next year if we achieve these things? Uh, you know what I mean? So trying to set set a, a roadmap, if you like, of how the sponsorship could be developed over a sort of three or four year period. And that they were the things that I told them when I first went in. And then I don't think I ever even really joined the committee. I was just there as an advisor for a few years. I played a little bit. I mean, I'm never, I'm not on your level by any stretch. You know what I mean? It was, uh, and that, that was even before you did your back in, but it was uh, the, 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 uh, I was just a, a very social cricket. I like playing for a bit of fun. So I played a bit and, uh, that was kind of it really in the initial phase. There wasn't really too much more to say in the initial phase. I was interested in the club. I gave the committee a few parameters, told them a few ideas from the business world and kind of let them go and do it at that point. And it was probably three or four years later uh, that I kind of came back in in a more meaningful way. Ah, okay. Well, there you go. Like, I didn't even know that, Eddie. I honestly thought, I didn't even think Glenrothes had a cricket team. 
before before you got involved. I didn't think it was even a thing, but um, well, there you go. No, it was. It was a club was established in, in, in the club was established in uh, 1957. So it was a. I mean, okay. this was obviously a new town. So they were kind yeah. of nomads. They they went from place to place. There was a guy that passed away a couple of years ago called John Bell, and he was in the. He was in the first ever team that played for Glenrothes. He was 14 and he only retired the year before he died. So he played wow. up to 69 and the guy hardly missed a game. It was insane, the, levels yeah. of, uh, the level of cricket that that guy played. I mean, look at us now, kind of in our sort of, some of you in your late 30s, me in my 40s, and you can't even <laughs> imagine playing into your late 60s. You know what I mean? That's like, that is absolutely <laughs> insane. The, uh, but it just shows you the commitment that some of these people had. And, uh, I never told you this story actually, but you were one of. It was kind of just after I came back, but you were actually one of my motivations as well. Uh, you told me I was your motivation in podcasting, but in <laughs> cricket, you were you were one of my motivations because I think the first time I came across you at a ground, I heard you say something under your breath, and it was uh, it was uh, it, it was Christ. something that made it was something that made me think, no, I I need to sort this, and I, I got my own back, but I remember you saying, "So effing village." And that was my, uh, and, that, that, and that was that, 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 that rang a few bells for me, and I was like, right, that's someone I need to show. You know what I mean? So uh, I think that when you came to the new ground and you got out with hardly any runs on the board, and we went on to win, I was quite happy that day. Well, I'm sorry, that, that, was, that, sure. that was just me being a prima donna as usual. <laughs> I, would, I would have said that about ninety percent of the grounds in Scotland, I think. <laughs> <laughs> when did what kind of level were they uh, were Glen Rothes at Eddie when okay. you kind of encountered them were they okay, in the kind so of ESCA set up at that time? yeah ESCA, ESCA set up uh, doing quite well actually they I think the year I came up the year I, the year I first got involved in the club they had just been promoted from Division Two to Division One which is the two tiers down if you like from it's a pretty much as high as the club had ever been you know what I mean the, the level up from there at the time with the structure and I don't know what it is right now but it would have been. It would have been the Esca Championship would have been the level above that, and then uh, and then the Eastern Premier would have been another one up from that. So probably the third tier within the East that was possible, and I think they kind of fretted between Division Three and Division Two for most of the time before I got involved. So when I came involved, they they were retaining their place in Division One, which would have been Grange Seconds, Carlton Seconds. Ah, you know, okay. I mean, these sort of these, these sort of teams. Uh, you know, uh, Falkland were in there at the time, and uh, it would have been Fruki were probably in there at the time as well. I can't, I can't completely remember, but they're in Division One, and I think the second team, which was around sort of Esca Division Four, Division Five type level. So I think there was eight divisions in Esca, but halfway up the Esca pyramid with the second team, and nearer the top of the Esca pyramid within the uh, within the first team. And when and when you went in there, do you obviously from a kind of off-field point of view, you'd might maybe have set some kind of target. Had you set a target on the playing side of you? Had you had a five-year plan of this is where we want to be in five yeah, years? Yeah, Liam, it was uh, it was one of those where uh, I didn't really want to set too much of an agenda in terms of where I needed the elite team to be because I didn't think that was actually important because it's not like there's a lot of prize money in Scotland. Uh, uh, yeah. It's not... It's not like the sponsorship varies between Esca Division 2 and the Premier League, you know what I mean? It, it, it doesn't, only if you work it, you know what I mean? So it, where the where the main team ended up wasn't really my overriding objective. What I wanted to do was to have a team competing at the high end of the Premier League, and I'll tell you some of the things that I did. The high end of the, the, high end of the Eastern setup, so maybe the Championship, the Premier League, to be honest, was 
not really in the in the makeup. That wasn't part of the plan, you know what yeah. I mean? And I could tell I think that kind of happened by accident more than anything else. But it's uh it, it was in the high end, so you could attract players that youngsters could aspire to be like that youngsters could learn from. Then to have a second team which was mainly full of really good veteran players, guys that had played at a really good level, uh, and then maybe a load of aspiring youngsters that were coming through from the junior setup to kind of learn their trade from these guys, and then maybe a third team that was your community, your social cricketer, the guy there to have a bit of fun. That Aye. was probably the end. We ended up with six teams, so you can see there was a bit of an accident there. You know what I mean? We were we were fielding six 11s in, in, in a weekend at one point, six completely different 11s. So you can see that uh, it kind of got a bit out of hand at one point as well. <laughs> well. I can't believe that, six teams. It just shows you yeah. that with a little bit of a sort of buy-in from the committee, someone like yourself, can what it can do for participation in clubs. There was a Imagine. few factors. A few factors to that, though, Matt. Because what happened was in this area of Fife, uh, a lot of clubs shot themselves in the foot. Uh, okay. For instance, Dunny Care, a hundred plus year old club, effectively stopped playing Saturday cricket. Uh, okay. uh, Dunfermline had a lot of shenanigans, a lot, a lot of issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they they, they shot themselves in the foot. Cooper, another hundred plus year old club, uh, went to the wall because they couldn't redo their pavilion. So suddenly I landed on my doorstep. Freaky was struggling. They were struggling big time after yeah. uh, after years of doing really well. They were living off their they were living off their success in the 80s and people just weren't buying that anymore. So no. Freaky was struggling. So in some ways it was a perfect storm because Glenrothes arrived with me. I think I kind of started running things in about 2010. Yeah. Uh, and uh I I just lapped up all the interest that there was locally in cricket. You know what I mean? So it wasn't it wasn't like I had to do, I didn't have to work hard at it. You know right. what I mean? It was like a lot of guys that weren't ready to retire from cricket. Still what the game? Play for a club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was it. So players were, I mean, I remember we did one training session indoors at Kim Ross and uh, I think we had the old Mel and uh, Ryan Watson coaching it. And I think we almost had about 80 cricketers. We had to break it down into three two-hour blocks. I'd never seen anything like it. You know what I mean? I was like, this was bloody January. It wasn't even, there was snow on the ground. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, it, it just shows you the appetite that was there for it. People weren't ready to give up cricket when their clubs died. And uh, we were just there to be able to capitalise on it. So that was why we ended up with all those teams. It wasn't, it wasn't through anything I did particularly other than making sure that, when, and I know a lot of these cricketers, to be honest, but Greg Popcroft, who I do a lot of work with, he, he knew a lot of them because of his Aye. interest in the ESCA committee and his days as an umpire and stuff like that. And I, I found out players were, that had been good at these clubs and I just went out of my way to give them a ring. You know what I mean? I just, that, that was all I did. It wasn't, it wasn't rocket science. It was just like phoning people up and asking them if they wanted to come and play cricket because their yeah. club died, you know what I mean? And uh, there was nowhere else for them to go. It would have been Falkland or Fruki because they were still there. And there was a little bit of a chance for us to kind of upset the apple cart, if you like, and, and do something a bit different. There was a plan to, as you know, to uh, to move to a new ground with two ovals, yeah. build a new, a new pavilion, which is now there. You know what I mean? The pavilion's all built now. So it's it's things like that that were, that were part of the process rather than any master plan if you like so i don't know if that answers your question liam but there was no essential plan to have an elite team but you, no, absolutely absolutely there you go. no and then so you were how many years were you in the premier league or so if you started in 2010 and when did you you just left what 2018 that the last uh, year you were involved yeah l l the last year i was involved they still they finished fourth in the premier league 
uh, ah, yeah. the last year I was involved. So that was right. uh, Safian, Safian Sharif's first season. I didn't stay for his second season and all the stuff, all the fallout that kind of came on the back of that. It was the year I left and then next year they uh, they fell out of the Premier League. So I wasn't involved in in the season that they were relegated from the Premier League. I was only involved in the first one. But I, can, I mean, the things I did straight away, I could tell you a couple of things I did 2010 straight away. Was I needed a name straight away to tell yeah. these people that I was speaking, uh, tell these people that I was speaking to why they should come here. Not just to sell them a pot shop plan about there might be a pavilion and a new ground one day, you know what Aye. I mean? It's like anyone could say that, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Uh, uh, so I had to have some real credibility to the project and, and Ryan Watson had just left you guys at Forfishire at the time and yeah. uh, and uh, I'd got to know Ryan through some business stuff through his recruitment agency and I, sat, I had lunch with him in Perth one day and uh, I didn't know if I had much of a chance of getting him to play and I certainly didn't have had much of a chance of getting him to play for free, but I managed it. Uh, I had to take him Anfield a couple of times and make sure that he was uh, he was well looked after. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, other than that, uh, other than that, I, he, he, I managed to get him to come out of time, and I didn't want him to play every week. I just wanted him to play maybe ten games. Yeah, just to be uh, around the club. Yeah, yeah, and to be able to get the PR from the back of it. And I remember Ryan when Ryan gave me the go ahead, and I managed to kind of promote the whole thing. And uh, I, I mean, I've got good contacts in the media, so it was on Fourth One Sports News, it was on Kingdom <laughs> FM Sports News, it was on TFM Sports News. It was all over the Dundee papers. It was all over the Fight papers. I think Daily Record even printed a bit as well. And I remember Ryan Fono. He says it came on the radio and almost crashed my car. He says I've got more. I've got more publicity about joining Glenrothes. I did for scoring the fastest hundred in history for Scotland. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, and we 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 sent emails to business lists and things like that. Uh, that I had a local business list around Fife Tayside, basically saying this, and the sponsorship kind of started coming on the back of that. But most importantly, it gave me the credibility to speak to a young player and his dad thinking where their next club was going to be you know yeah. I mean, promising youngsters maybe involved with uh involved with steve knox and under 17s in scotland at the time about where their their, their cricket could be developed you know what i mean and that was the perfect thing for me to say look ryan's going to do some coaching we're gonna we're gonna try and do this we're gonna put you in a we've got an opportunity a lot of the first team that got us to that premier league if you like we're starting to play second 11 cricket they you know what i mean as the level goes up these yeah. guys were all in their mid forties. They're not wanting to play at that level, so nah. I had to try and evolve things and bring youngsters in. That was likes of Fraser Gorse, Ben Wilkinson, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, these Fred Cully, these sort of guys that were promising young Scotland cricketers. So they were part of the plan as well to get them playing with the likes of Ryan Watson, with the likes of Vasu Red, Chris Greaves, yeah, so that they could actually learn how to play cricket properly as uh, and to get us a pathway to kind of move forward up the leagues. But as I say, the Premier League was. Just one of those things. It was built on keeping a team together for three or four years, really, and and, and letting them grow, letting them grow together. I mean, they they absolutely dominated the uh, the championship to get up that league. I think Chris scored uh, Chris scored over a thousand runs in yeah uh, in, in, in that league, and he was he was very much the person that the team was built around. Doesn't Ryan wasn't playing every week. No, you know yeah, what I mean? and uh, yeah, it was a case of good recruitment, well getting getting the right pro and the right amateur each year. Yeah, you know what I mean. Trying to trying to do the right things, and they were all funded from business. You know what I mean. A lot of Aye. people say, "Say, oh, you just followed the Dunfermline model, putting your own money nah. into the that." That never happened. Every penny nah. that I gave, like, every penny that I gave Glenrothes Cricket Club, I had back. You Aye. know what I mean? Don't okay. get I, don't get me wrong. I had to put some stimulus in to financially drive the project. I'm not Aye. I'm not going to deny that. But it was all underpinned in loans that they paid back to me. And ironically, I think I got the final 
the final installment just last week. So it shows you that they, <laughs> they, they, they managed it. You know what I mean? But there was money coming in commercially, uh, commercially to the business through sponsors. I mean, I think the main sponsorship at one point was selling for about £8,000 a year. So it shows you what we were doing. You know what I mean? With That's the social sick. media, biggest Twitter account in Scotland well before anyone else was using it. Biggest yeah. Facebook following, live stream of matches before anyone else was yeah. doing it. Yeah. Uh, a, web, a website, a website that actually posted real news as well you know i mean real things and uh it was run like a media company you know yeah I mean? and that's why yeah. that's what i do that's what i do so. i'd so, said that to uh, hoggy actually the, the first <laughs> we're trying to think about um things that glenn's had done and I, I think that's the first game of live streamed cricket i watched was a friday night game that i just stumbled wow. across on social wow. media and it was I'm sure uh, Began was commentating on it, but it was like a some type of evening T20. And I watched the whole thing, and I just remember thinking, you know, where where did that idea come from? Like, where had you seen it before, or was this like your brainchild, or where did it come from? You know what? It's a really good question, Liam, because I can't actually think what gave me the. <laughs> I tell you, I can tell you why it happened, and it, it was uh, I've got a villa in Spain, and I was down there, and I knew I was going to miss a match. So I asked Greg Hopcroft and uh, and Began, I think, to go and put a camera up and, and stream it to me from their phone so I could watch it. <laughs> but that, that was all. I think that was the, I think that was the first thing. So I was down at my bar by the pool, and the wife and kid went to the beach or something, and I just ended up sitting all day by the pool watching the match on the on on their phone. Uh, so, but but once they proved it could be, I mean, I, I told them how to do it, and I gave them a server to stick it on, and that was before streaming was was mainstream or anything. But I think it started as a private thing just for me. Which is a bit sounds a bit arrogant, really. But uh, I think that was the foundation of it. And I thought, well, if it can be done that way, it can be done for more appeal. And I think I, I streamed the five a five derby. I think Auckland beat us at home down the old ground one day, and uh, there was no. I think India was supposed to be playing South Africa that day in in, in uh, Chennai, and it had got rained off. And I went and looked at the viewing figures for this stream at the end of it, <laughs> and there was something like there was something like two hundred people from five. Maybe rest of the UK, something like eight hundred people, and it said thirty-two thousand people watched it in India. <laughs> it's like what? Thirty-two thousand people watched in Falkland play Glen Rothes in the Riverside Park in India. You know what I mean? It's like because they obviously have nothing else to watch, yeah. and it got it, it got picked up on YouTube or one of these uh, one of these sharing uh, video platforms, and uh, thought we could be onto something here. You know what I mean? And uh, stuck some ad banners through 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 the uh, streaming provider on it. and before I knew it you could stream a game of cricket and make a couple of hundred quid it's like this is insane you know what I mean so <laughs> now we stream everything <laughs> Friday night Friday night games <laughs> let's have cricket on that night because we could stream it because there's nothing else on and it even got to the stage where we were arranging cup times I would look at what was going on in Edinburgh I'd look at what was going on in Aberdeen right there's nothing that night nothing anywhere we go that night. That's the night we arrange our cup game so that everyone, we can have more eyeballs on it. You know what I mean? The silly that's little cool. things like that. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. I know, yeah. It just shows you how like how easy it was. So you just made money off that through sponsorship, basically, Eddie. Yeah, no, in those days, I don't think you'd be able to do it now, but 
there was a lot more money in on able there was a, people were paying for impressions advertisers were paying for impressions yeah. so in the early days of streaming i don't think we ever made any money like that again lad, you know what i mean i think that, that was pretty much a one-off you know what I, mean? I think it was sort of 50 60 quid a game in sponsorship revenues <laughs> was about the most you could make after that it was a, that was just a, a lucky bag that people in india had nothing else to watch but uh, there, it, it was just youtube's sort of standard ads that i think were, uh, were on it it was nothing that we did it was as i say a lot of these things that you give me credit for a lot but a lot of these things are purely accidental and that's what all the best <laughs> things come from you know what i mean it's a, it's a it's a synergy of an idea that you try something and uh and like i say the whole foundation uh from liam's question was i hadn't seen anyone else streaming live sport you know what i mean I, I spoke to the guys at cam vista who are accompanying cody and spoke to them about doing a few bits around Rafe rovers and some stuff locally but i never thought about streaming a cricket match before because i didn't think the quality would be any but then you think about it when you get to watch a cricket match yeah, in a park or i know in a local ground, where, what's your view like you're walking around the boundary you know exactly what I mean? so yeah it's like, if you could stick a camera there then you're <clears> getting pretty much as good an experience as you would get at the ground, it's not going to be Sky Sports. It's not going to be a mass production. Uh, totally. Ian Potts, Ian Potts at Forfarshire took it to a new level was the sort of quality he was putting out. You know what I mean? So we were very rustic. We were very uh, before our time. And uh, it worked for what we wanted to do. And it helped raise a profile. And before we knew it, people were watching our games. And it was another thing to say to people that wanted to join the club. You know what I mean? We'll stream yeah. every game. Chris Greaves, your mum in South Africa can watch you play cricket. Aye. You yeah. know what I mean? You, yeah. Stay with us. Stay with us next year. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, think away, I think I got away with towing that line out for about three or four years <laughs> before I eventually peed off. You know what I mean? And it was even to, Gra even to Graham Began. You mentioned Graham Began. Graham had a, a few offers from a few clubs uh, to, to come back and play in Scotland. And there was another one. Graham, come and have your live game stream. Look at what we do with our profile. Look at what we do with your profile. And he got his move to a bigger club the next year and going to Forfarshire. You know what I mean? So it was, it was these sort of things that we were able to say to people, the youngsters that I mentioned as well. I mean, come and come and have your profile built up. I sent Ben Ben Wilkinson to uh, the Darren Lehman Academy in Australia. Uh -huh. That was part of the agreement for him to come to the club. Look, our sponsors will fund that trip for you. You know what I mean? And yeah. we'll raise your profile. And we'll raise your profile as a result Brilliant. of it. Now, Brilliant. whatever for whatever reason that didn't transpire into a successful cricket career for Ben, but it wasn't through lack of effort or or lack no. of foundations being put in place because we did everything that we could. Yeah. Now we spoke about that, Liam, didn't we? That. Yeah, that sort of the original Glen Rothes team that came through, like Begging, uh, Rhino, um, Grievo, obviously, he was there the whole time, wasn't he? And then yeah. you had a really good group of young players. That's what we mentioned that uh, Goss, um, Cully. Cully, obviously, Wilkinson. Ben Wilkinson. There's a couple other guys. You poached a couple of young guys from Fruki as well, wasn't it? There was Robbie Wright was there. Robbie Wright, the time, that's, yeah. it, that's the name. Yeah, and uh, and uh, there was Shane Monroe who was around the fringes, and then we had the likes of Asu Reddy come in to give some experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had Alec Davis. Alec Davis came out of retirement for a bit as well to keep wicket. So uh, and did, and, did and he need a trip to Liverpool as well? <laughs> no, I met him. He was a completely different one. I met him sitting next to a Wraith Rovers match and I had no idea who he was. Absolutely zero idea who he was. Greg Cockcroft was sitting on the other side of me and he says, do you know who that is? And I says, uh, and that was like bull back to a bull. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> what, you don't play anymore? <laughs> what, Eddie, you have nothing to do with cricket. <laughs> Eddie, you mentioned about like other kind of five teams going to the wall at the time. Did you... Did you 
did you have any criticism or any kind of people poking their noses in at what you were doing? Did you ever anyone get oh, their back? I mean, up it was. It, I mean, you heard stuff. You know, what I mean, I don't think anyone said much to me directly other than uh, Matty Parker about Village. But, uh, <laughs> the uh, the uh, the uh, no, locally it was. It, you heard stuff like this fucking Roman Abramovich type fucking characters coming to the I mean, a lot a load of bullshit, you know what I mean? It was like, but that, that was the sort of, that was the sort of stuff that you got, you know what I mean? It was like, uh, it, it was a complete nonsense. I mean, I always say that the people that, the people that joined us, they came with absolutely genuine cricketing reasons to come to us. I mean, your pros and your, your pros and your amateurs, that's a completely different, different kettle of fish because everyone's in the same boat with getting those guys they have reasons yeah. for bringing those guys in you know what i mean and some some of the reasons are more honorable than others you know what i mean and you always get i mean i'll perfectly admit that and i don't think there's anything wrong in saying this rizwan akbar was probably the worst pro that we had at glenrothes but he was probably he was certainly the best bowler that i ever saw at glenrothes you know what yeah. i mean so it's a, it's what makes him the worst pro yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's nothing to do with his cricketing ability because he was a damn fine cricketer. Yeah. But he wasn't someone I could work with. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, and it's not like we ever fell out or had any particular clashes, but I just didn't get out of him as a professional. But I got yeah. out of the others that we had in, you know what I mean? But yeah. it was more about what was good for the club. And that was one of the mistakes, and I made lots of mistakes, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But that was one of the mistakes that I made as a, a and Ironically, he's the guy that fired us to the Premier League with his wickets. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, and it, 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 Ryan had gone by then. You know what I mean? So it was uh, Began had gone by then. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, was, yeah. it, it wasn't them that fired us to the Premier League. So it was it was the guy that I consider probably to be the worst pro that we had was the guy that actually got it. So was he the worst pro? Am I right? Am I wrong? It's completely <laughs> it's completely subjective. You know what I mean? I, I don't I still don't know the answer to this day. Yeah. Eddie, how did you go about, obviously, some of the things that we, me and Hoggy spoke about was, was one, the increase in juniors that you that you managed to generate, and two, the indoor facility, which which yeah. I've seen featured on lots of your social media. How did, tell us a little bit about those two things. Oh, that, that's a great question. I, I forgot about that one. Uh, the uh, Right, here's the thing, right? You bring a pro, you bring an amateur over. Where'd you put them? You tell me, where'd you put them? You have to find some. Yeah, you have to find. Well, you have to find somewhere for them to live, don't you? You know what I mean. Whether it be someone's house, a player, a member. I thought to myself, well, we're going to bring in two. We always had to find somewhere for Chris Greaves to live, and God, that guy lived in some places. You know what I mean? I mean you had to find. Uh, you had to find somewhere for uh, for your pro to live as well. So my thinking was, well, you're either going to look at look at finding them somewhere to live. It's going to cost you maybe three or four hundred quid a month to put them up. Well, why don't we? Go to a local business that has a yard and a warehouse and uh, pay 500 quid a month for it. Uh, and we don't have to pay rates because we're a charity. And we'll get a yard, we'll buy two static caravans, stick them in the back. And in the warehouse, we'll put an indoor, we'll put an indoor machine and some indoor cricket. That's cool. So, so, so the way I saw it was rather than 400 quid that you'd be paying to someone to rent somewhere. Yeah you pay an extra hundred quid a month and you're getting an indoor facility at the same time. So you don't have to go and rent facilities all around as well. So that was actually a money saving thing was the idea there. Uh, and uh, I mean, the only downside was the guys probably didn't live in the nicest places living in a barbed wire yard in the middle of, uh, in the middle of urban Glenrothes, you know what I mean? And, uh, I always remember Graham begging when, when he was leaving the club and I had a chat with him about uh, moving up the year, And he says, I, I really enjoyed the cricket side, but 
the town really didn't do it for me. As well. <laughs> I don't think I really helped you there with that one. You know what I mean? But I did give you an indoor school where you could go and train every day. <laughs> I can't believe and, Beggins moved from that caravan to Long Lane in the ferry, which is like 20 yards from like every pub in Brody Ferry. <laughs> he'd, have been, he'd have enjoyed that. <laughs> and uh, no, it was, uh, so that was the, uh, that was the thinking behind there. And I thought if we could keep it going over the winter, Still, we will include rather than members having to go and pay for winter nets at Ken Ross or at one of these facilities, they will include it within their membership and we'll put the membership up a little bit to cover yeah. the extra hundred quid that we have to pay a month and to pay for the caravans and the things that we have to do there, the indoor nets, which were largely grant funded. You know, I mean, you could go to various grant schemes and I think uh-huh. we got most of most of the nets. So we already had a bowling machine. Most of the nets and the matting were all through uh, were all through grant funds. So it was quite an easy thing to kind of uh, to kind of achieve, and to me it made perfect sense. It, it, I mean, I think we got away with it like that for about three years. So it did work in its uh, in, in its initial phase. And the guy that ran the place was a company called A to B Van Hire, a guy called Clarence Mercado who used to play for the club, and uh, obviously it was kind of helpful in getting vehicles for the guys because they were he ran a Van Hire company like literally adjacent to the indoor center. So right. we were able to go and get these guys' cars, and he sponsored them. You know. I mean so it was like it was little things like that you know what I mean by, by paying him a rent it made him interested in the cricket club again uh, and then he was able to do us deals on sponsoring cars on sponsoring pickup trucks on anything we might needed vehicle wise so there's that these little things you know what I mean just tapping into them and making sure they don't cost the club money yeah so you don't develop a money pit you know what I mean and you develop a sustainable club and financially Maybe I'd have had to carry on. And to be honest, I, I had no energy for it by the end. But it was, if I carried on, I, I still think I could have done more. Uh, and that's the hardest thing that I found was future-proofing it. How do you, how do you succession plan for, yeah. yourself le- for yourself leaving? You know what I mean? And I know. I, I literally gave up running my business for five years, you know what I mean, to, to do it. You know what I mean? And I, at some point, I thought, I'm going to have to get back to work here. I'm going to be fast. <laughs> so, uh, so that was, uh, so I think I took five years off and it was five years uh from when my kid was born. So it was an ideal five years to make sure I could get out of the house. <laughs> but that, that's the challenge, isn't it, for Scottish cricket clubs? Because it's so hard to sort of build a sort of revenue stream yeah. without putting the work in, isn't it? Big time. And I'll take it back to we'll talk about. It. I'll take it back to what Liam said about the about the youngsters. Yeah. And uh, that, like I said, that was my plan for the second team to, to kind of grow that. You know what I mean? I got a lot of youngsters that had been kind of on the fringes at clubs like Heriot's that had been at Dunfermline before maybe and moved into Edinburgh and it wasn't really working out for them. Ben Wilkinson, Scott Lucas, got lads like that. You know what I mean? We, we wanted to really make them feel part of it and they came along and they were great lads. So I, I don't think I met too many bad eggs in the whole time I was involved. There's a couple and I won't name them because it would be insulting, but the, right. uh, it's a... Uh, the, the, most of the guys that came on board were really good. They all passed the Ellen test. You know what I mean? They were yeah. all guys that you would say, these are real good guys. They're going to be good for this club. But where I think it went wrong, and I think one of Scottish cricket's biggest problems, you guys all know about this far more than me because you've been through the system and you've been involved in much bigger clubs than Glenrothes, is that the uh, 
that age where they reach that age of sort of 16, 17, 18, and they're getting into the drink and they're getting into going out at nights and stuff like that. I bet anyone wishes they could go out at night now. But, <laughs> the, uh, but it's a, it, that that was the real biggest challenge. There were so many talented cricketers. I remember a couple of lads that we had watched for years at Dalgetty Bay. A guy, you won't know these names, but a guy, uh, two brothers, Jamie Price and Peter Price, and they were coming along to our training, but they didn't play for us. They played for Dalgetty Bay. Okay. I was happy, happy enough for them to come and get the coach and to try and aspire to be the best young cricket as they could we got yeah. them into our second we got them into our second team final because Dalgetty Bay folded so when that folded again same story yeah More players come to the club they, I think they none of them even managed a season before one was off to university and the other was uh, off working in a pub or something like that you know All what right. I mean and those guys would have been cricketers of the future you know what I mean it's like and that's that you see that Fred Cully is another great example you know, what I mean, Fred Cully, all the talent in the world, learned so much from Chris Greaves, was opening the bat and scoring 50 almost every game. And then he got he, he took a university place in Newcastle and hardly saw him again. You know, what I mean, and yeah. I, I don't blame that on Glenn Rothis as such. And I don't I certainly don't blame it on Fred because he was a fantastic lad. Yeah. What happened with him was he didn't get the recognition from when he finished with Scotland under 17s. He was never involved in anything again. They forgot about him. Yeah, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and that's a cricket Scotland and the system that we run in this country discarded him. You know what I mean, and that's even with Kenny Creighton being involved at our club, who was one of the coaches in that East Leagues, the Eastern uh, Regional setup. You know what I mean? He saw him firsthand all the time, and Fred still couldn't get looking. You know what yeah. I mean? And, uh, and when you see things happen like that, and then Fraser Cross went off the university as well, it just shows you how hard it is keep these young guys these young talented people involved with cricket and that's a systemic failure of cricket scotland it's nothing to do with the clubs you know what i mean it's it's them not having the resources to build those guys into where they need to be above club cricket club cricket can only take people so far and with to, with all intents and purposes and to put in the kindest word i possibly can cricket scotland do not give a fucking shit about scottish cricket clubs they care zero about them they they, they will admin them you had guys like Ramsey Allen that was there for years. He'd be happy to put the scorecards in and things like that uh, but, uh, and put the tables up on the website. Tell me one thing that Cricket Scotland have ever done to market club cricket in Scotland. They've done zero. Tell me one thing Cricket Scotland have ever done to help finance club cricket in Scotland. They'll sign a form. They'll sign a form as a governing body to help you get grants and stuff like that. Yeah. They, have ze- they have zero interest. I've spoke more about what I did at Glenrothes to you in the past half an hour than I did in over 10 years to Cricket Scotland. Not one person came and spoke to me and asked me what I had done or how we had achieved what we had achieved with Grand Not one. And you know what? Through That's one right. of my business, through one of my businesses, if you remember, because you were involved at the time, I was start I was involved in a new startup, a blue chip, it was called Online Wells, and they sponsored the that was shirts. It. I it. arranged that. I arranged that for Cricket Scotland. Uh, they, they got they got they got a few quid for that. And uh and even then. Still nothing. They still didn't want to speak to me about how I managed to get them that deal or anything. You know what I mean? And it was, it, it was just a, a massive failing on their part. You know what I mean? I've got my own issues with Cricket Scotland over a whole load of things, but uh-huh. that that is their biggest failing. They completely they're they're, they're interested in grassroots. They're interested yeah. in participation numbers. Ian Sandbrook did some great work in participation numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have their strengths, yeah. and then and then there's this big landscape before you get to the national teams. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like Huge gap. They're, not, they're not interested in that bit in the middle. And, and that's the clubs. They're not interested in stimulating the clubs. 
you know, Gordon Drummond come along and watched a few games once. And I love him. You know what I mean? Great lad, good mate yeah. of mine. And I, I've always had good chats with, with Drummond. And, uh, and he was interested in what some of our youngsters were doing. He'd come along and watch. But really, there was very, very little, you know what I mean? And yeah. that, that lack of engagement really surprised me. You know what I mean? That the national governing body had such little interest in club cricket. Yeah, I mean, is there, <clears throat> how are the leagues run? They're, they're sort of separate entities, are they not, from Cricket Scotland? Is that yeah. what, do you think that's why there's a sort of... Yeah, that, because that, that, suit, that, suits, that suits them. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't need to be like that. It wasn't, remember, that the top leagues are run by Cricket Scotland. You know what I mean? But ah, they're, okay. not interested, they're not interested in any of the other stuff that goes on. In the days of the National League, that was a Cricket Scotland league. You know yeah, what right I mean? Enough, and that, yeah. and that's, that, that's probably about as right as they ever had it. But they tore that tore that up yeah it was sponsored by uh, Lloyd's TSB which was the yeah. the main sponsor of Cricket Scotland yeah. wasn't it mm-hmm. that's one mm-hmm. thing I don't think they've, have they got a, a main sponsor just now is that I'm not aware I don't know nah. what they do I don't know if it's anything to do with uh, the cross company in Aberdeen is it Hulk oh Park Mead mm. I potentially a Park Mead but no no, you're right Eddie There's, there seems to be people get to an age and they've sort of if you, you, you can play club cricket and then and, and that's it. There's nothing really there to strive for other than that's a couple it. of places in the and, regional and how team. long? how long do you want... I mean, you went through the system, you know what I mean? So you knew yeah. the system. But how long can you justify as a young man or a young lady giving up your Saturday every single week, the whole of your summer Saturday, yeah. and maybe some Sunday, maybe some training nights, to play this game where there's no future pathway for you because you become forgotten about at the age of 17, 18. You know, and it doesn't happen to every kid. You know what I mean? Of course mm, yeah. not. You know what I mean? There's guys like you that went right through the system. Mm. So it's, uh, it, I'm not saying it happens to everyone, but there's a lot of talented youngsters. And we know, you know full well, when were your peak years? What age were you? What age would you have been in your peak? Ah, uh, yeah, you'd, you'd be young, 17, 18. That's probably when you think you were Yeah, but 18, when, as, a, as an actual cricket other. As an actual cricketer, when do you think, what age were you when you oh, were yeah. the very best? Ah, uh, yeah, like 19, 20, 21. You'd have been older than that, surely. You'd have been in your peak. A cricketer's in their nah, peak my, years. My you got injured. Went. You got, you got injured. <laughs> maybe you're not the best example. But the, uh, but the, uh, but most cricketers, look at Craig Wallace. When's Craig Wallace? When was Craig Wallace in his peak as a cricketer? Someone you know very well. When, yeah, what, exactly. What yeah, mid-20s. Twi- mid yeah. But we're not letting a lot of guys find out if they'd be in their peak by that age because they're out of the yeah. game by then. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. That, well, we, we, we've no real pathway, and that's where I, I, I like the the concept. What reason I got one of the sponsors involved with the online wills thing? Was, that's our uh, that's an assistant producer there, Eddie, yeah. kicking off. Uh, I don't, someone, must, <laughs> someone must be coming to the door. You'll be able to. Eddie. While while I while we kind of got you on this thread, obviously the regional cricket is is where the where Cricket Scotland might be trying to bridge that gap yeah. between club yeah. and, and is, full, yeah. full country. I don't know if you'd, have you, have you seen anything or, or been involved in any of that kind of stuff? Only, only from the foundation of helping sponsor the team, because I do believe that that was the right way to go. You know what I mean? I, I thought finally there's something that focuses more on just Scotland A or Scotland under 23 or Scotland under 19. You know what I mean? Finally, the regional cricket seemed that, that what they were doing with the pro series and things like that, seemed like they were finally developing something that could keep these guys involved. Now, someone like a Fred Cully still missed out there. You know what I mean? Now, that's just one example, but maybe maybe they have got it right and maybe it's going to take a bit of time, but I, I've not been involved long enough to tell you if that's working or, or, yeah. or if it's got a chance to work. 
because a, pre- a previous episode was talking about what we need to do around about marketing this regional series or pro series and how we kind of build the profile of it. And, and we spoke a few ideas about why don't we have Friday night cricket where, you know, you might have the Eastern Knights against the Western Warriors at Grange and you, and you charge folk a few quid to come in and you have food, food lorries and, you know, try and build a little bit of hype around about fixtures like that. And, and I suppose that's, that's kind of where someone like yourself would have plenty yeah, of ideas. Yeah, I mean, that, that, is, that is absolutely what they should be doing. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, the problem you've got, I suppose, in this country is uh, it's seen as a very minority sport. You know what I mean? It's, it's an Anglified sport. It's what English people do. Yeah. And you know what I mean? They're the, they're the connotations around the game. Hardly anyone realises the sheer level of participation that we have in Scotland for cricket and the, the amount of people that actually play the game here. Obviously, yeah. there is a lot of Asian influence in that because the uh, the Asian lads aren't as big on other sports. Cricket yeah. is, their, uh, is their big thing, you know what I mean? And that should be embraced. Absolutely. Uh, I was about to say that, yeah. It needs to be, needs to be used. And it's, it's often forgotten, you know what I mean? It's often like a side thought. Oh, a lot of Asian lads play, a lot of lads of Asian ethnicity play cricket. Yeah, great. You know what I mean? Let's let us work on that. You know yeah, what I mean? It's I know. like let's let's not just put that to the side. You know what I mean? Let's use it as a, a real multicultural stimulus to the game. But yeah. where a lot of it has to start is with parents, with community. I think that's the only way that you get interest in it's like building a house. You don't put the roof on it first. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that seems to be that that seems to be a lot of the cricket Scotland thinking. Now I've criticized them a lot, and I I, I mean I'm criticizing them on things that are, are historic. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not saying that the current setup are, 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 are doing it wrong because I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm not, yeah. I'm not been involved in it for three years, so I, I couldn't tell you. They might be doing wonderful things. I, I really don't know. But it's uh, it starts with that community. It starts with those those clubs that provide the volunteers for the game to help the club run. The ones that the guys that are maybe playing in third and fourth eleven cricket that do the secretary work, that do the ground work, that cut the grass, that uh, that paint the walls in the pavilions, you know what I mean? And that that are the parents to the kids coming along to junior cricket from sort of the age of seven to 12 or whatever, that drive the cars to festivals and cricket yeah. festivals and things like that. It's, it's that community <clears throat> stimulus that you need before you put the roof on. Now, people listening to this podcast might be thinking, gee, where's you talking about a 10-year plan? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not going to fix it overnight by getting a couple of sponsors involved and uh, yeah. and doing doing a nice event at the Grange. Okay, who's going to come to that? What you'll get coming to an event like Liam just described there is you'll get maybe some of the guys that would normally be playing cricket on a Saturday can now come. Great. You know what I mean? So a lot of the social cricketers that play in the parks in Edinburgh on your uh, on your meadows and your links and that, they'll come along. Yeah. You know what I mean? A few a few of the Asian families and all that will come along because it's cricket and they love that. You know what I mean? So they'll come along and watch it. The, you'll get interest, definitely. You're yeah. not going to fix all of the problems with something like that. So the regional no. series, whilst it's great in its own right, absolutely fantastic idea and should definitely be sustained. You have to focus more on what you do at the community level. In some ways, a pandemic is the best opportunity clubs will ever have to do that. You know what I mean? It seems strange to say that, you know what I mean? But for once, clubs can park their elite level first team cricket to one side yeah. uh-huh. and yeah. they can focus on the grassroots of, of the game and on the community spirit within their club. There's yeah. never been a better opportunity. I was speaking to Paul Watson of Falkland a few weeks ago and he was saying that some of the things that they're talking about doing is to have the best beer garden in Fife this this summer, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so almost 
we've got to forget about cricket. We are a cricket club, of course we are, and we will be again. But we can't really focus on the cricket side as much as we would like to this year. So let's focus on the club. Let's focus on bringing people in, maybe doing things like uh, outdoor cinemas in the beer garden, uh, having bands come and play. Look at the, look at the space. I know. The cricket clubs yeah. have, you know what I mean? We're talking about socially distancing and things like that. Well, there's a perfect place to do it. You know what I mean? Having open days for kids to come and bounce <clears> around <throat> on bouncy castles and circus clowns and these sort of things. You know what I mean? It's a chance for clubs to be really, really innovative on the community mm -hmm. side, you know what I mean? One of the things that we did with the juniors was, uh, and this is going back a few years, was I knew that just saying, come along and look, teach your kid how to play cricket. That, that message isn't going to work. No, I, one's, I know. Interest, no yeah. one's interested in that. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not exciting. Yeah. So what I did was I said, right, we're not a cricket, we're not a junior cricket club anymore. We're a junior sports club. Yeah. So when the kids come, Gonna, and I got a guy called uh, Graham Dodds that, that ran this, and he he was brilliant. It was a lot of it was his idea, uh, and uh, what way he structured it was that we the kids would show up, they'd play different, break them down into age groups, and they'd go on a rotation. So they'd do ten minutes of hitting a golf ball, they'd do ten minutes throwing a basketball into a hoop, they'd kick a ball about and do football for ten minutes, yeah. and they'd also do ten minutes of cricket. You know what I mean? So you'd yeah, break yeah. it, in, you'd break it, in. and just over to the side where the cricket nets are you'd have the older kids doing their cricket on the same night. Yeah. How many kids go up to Graham Dodds during that first two years and say, can I try that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I don't want to play football for 10 minutes. I can do that with my pals at the weekend. Aye. I want to do that thing where they're putting <laughs> the pads on and the really fast balls coming at them. You know what I mean? Before you know it, you're building up a junior section and you've gone from, you've gone from 100 kids doing the multi-sport to 50, 60 kids playing cricket. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a and that's a brilliant pathway. But the marketing message is nothing about cricket. No. The marketing message is come to our free multi-sport club. And you can invite coaches from other places. You can invite yeah. someone from a local rugby club to come along and do rugby one night or someone from a local football club. I think we even had someone from a, a cycling club one night come up and get the kids to bring their bikes and drive around cones and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And it was little things like that. And that's what pricks the parents' ears up as well because the yeah. kid wants to go back to that every single week. You know what I mean? It's not something they're going to get bored with because they're being stimulated with a whole host of other interests and all their friends are coming along and you don't charge for it. You do it completely free as a, yeah. community, as a community venture. And okay, once they move into cricket, you can look at charging if that's your model. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's, uh, that, that built up. The, the junior side of Glenroth is so much. And uh, a guy called Krasinovsky, who you've probably heard of before, he uh, he's now running the coaching side of the juniors and doing an amazing job. So I don't think the multi-sport yeah. exists anymore uh, purely because the pandemic scuppered it all last yeah, year. Yeah. So I think mm -hmm. last year was the first year it didn't happen, but he's managed to keep the juniors going and keep the cricket going all winter, all summer. You know, and the really plans for the plans for again. So yeah. that's how you build. I think personally, that's how you build a junior section in Scotland. Focus it on multi-sport. Don't focus it on cricket. Maybe maybe at some of the bigger clubs, they don't need to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But certainly for a town like Glenrothes. Well, where, I sorry. Go ahead, Eddie. Sorry. Yeah, a town like Glenrothes where cricket is a complete afterthought. You know what I mean? You, you mention cricket in Glenrothes, you say, ah, oh, fruit king. You know what I mean? That, uh -huh. that, that's, what, that's, what, that's what you get. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it, it, you, have to, you have to be innovative. And I think multi-sport is a good way for a lot of cricket clubs. And I think it could, I think that model could be transposed to so many clubs in Scotland. You know what I mean? As I say, maybe not the absolute top clubs, if you like, uh, would need something like that because 
cricket sells itself to those clubs, especially the ones uh, feeding off the uh, the private schools, schools and things yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, and they, yeah. they, they don't need something like that. But if you're in a if you're in an urbanised area, which a lot of Scottish cricket clubs are, then I think that multi-sport is a great community thing you could be doing this uh, mm-hmm. this summer. To, to The overriding thing being that you can go and promote it. And on the flyer, I think, I've not got a copy of it here, but I think I put a little cricketer down at the bottom and a big football player right up the top. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like that. But the, 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 uh, the objective mm. is to get cricketers from it and it does work. But nothing's quick. There's no quick fix to this. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's an absolutely brilliant idea. Like, You've obviously thought about that out of the box. You and who's it? Graham Dodds. Yeah, Graham, Graham, Graham yeah. Dodds, and he won. He won some awards locally. He got recognised for uh, some of the some of the thinking that went into yeah. that. And I, mean, uh, I, I spoke to him about. I, I thought I thought about the multi sport thing, but the way he structured it was better than I could ever have believed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and he's retired now. I don't think he's involved at all. So I'm sure he'd be uh, open to anyone quizzing him about uh, <laughs> the structure that he come up with. Because he's a really lovely guy and so dedicated to developing junior cricketers. But he was never really a cricket coach as such. I mean, he's a good cricketer. Yeah. But mm-hmm. cricket coaching was never really his thing. He was more interested in the community side of a club yeah. and driving and, and, dri- and marketing cricket effectively. Yeah. Helping market cricket to, to the masses. That's a great idea. Like, I'm just thinking, just imagine you just invited cricketers, you might get 10 folk down. You, you do it as a multi-sport. You get 100 kids down and their parents. You, you, you host it at the cricket club. And it might be at that sunny night and there's, as you yeah. say, Falkland Beer Garden. I can think of 10 cricket clubs with brilliant beer gardens. Do you know what I mean? And the amount of people you're sort of getting, that they wouldn't even know about cricket. I mean, imagine you walk down Princess Street on a Saturday afternoon Oh, do you know they play cricket at the Grange? What's cricket? Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? What is cricket? They have, they, is that, that the, the one engagement? across the road from the rugby club? <laughs> Ex- <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I put a poll out on Halfway Up Middle uh, a couple of weeks ago, Eddie. It was about. It was after watching the Scottish rugby team, and I mean, you, you don't have to give me any encouragement to like just not be interested in rugby. But the the Scottish rugby team, like for me, my entire life, they've never done anything. They get beat every second, like every... They, they win one in four games or whatever. That's just what they've done in my entire life. Yeah, all I see on the TV is Scottish rugby. Whenever the Six Nations are on, you see on social media all these folk who don't talk about rugby the, the entire year, and then it's it's all about the Six Nations, how Scotland are this, Scotland are that. It's just about, as you say, getting that sort of... Teaching people that Scotland is a thing in Scotland. And as you say, the partition participation numbers are there. But it's just about sort of getting them engaged in the right in the right way that sports hub's a great idea i think for yeah, more, so, I, I more so for parents do you know what i mean that's it and you build the community like you're saying about the beer garden concept uh-huh. you, i mean most most areas in scotland will have a fairly decent band as well that they could hire for a night you know what i yeah. mean you only have to do it once if you get the person people in you exactly, don't have to yeah. go big you don't have to go huge scale every single week you know what i mean yeah. because then people are coming for the community engagement, for the social element of it, rather than for the big headline thing that gets them in the door. You know what I mean? So marketing is always a stimulus to get people in the door and the advertising that goes into that. But once you get them in the door and keeping them there will happen organically if you do the right things. The yeah. clubs you've been the clubs you've been involved with, even you know what I mean. Look at the facilities that they've got. You know what I, I mean? And they're, they're in some of the best one of the best areas of Scotland. You know what I mean? For community engagement, it would be so easy if they just pressed the few of the right buttons. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Obviously, Eddie, you've been away for three years and 
two two clubs that spring to mind with that kind of model is, is Livingston and Westquarter. I don't know if you've have heard yeah, of them, yeah. but um, I'm sure they, uh, they'd, they'd love to listen to this podcast or pick your brains for half an hour about, about the way they need to go because they've certainly got the foundations at both those clubs. Well, the Livingston guys are very innovative in their own way. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they've come up with a they've come up with a few good membership ideas. They do, I think, they do quizzes and all these sort of stuff. They they they, they use their they use their facility as a social club first and foremost. Again, they're not bothered about certainly one at the time that I, I last spoke to. They weren't bothered about having a team in the Premier League or yeah, anything like that. Exactly, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, so it was uh, and and as I say, that's what happened with Glenrothes. It happened purely by accident because no one was saying no to the promotions. You know yeah. what I mean? Once the club got promoted, there were plenty of people coming to me and saying, this isn't right. You know what I mean? This isn't what we want for our club. You know what I mean? And that, that was almost a start of the downfall because you had people then moving on to other local clubs that were starting to see a resurface in, in demand for their, for their clubs. Mm-hmm. Coming back from the brink, if you like, certainly fruity. A lot of the guys that had been part of Glenrothes when we had those six teams, some of them guys that had been at Glenrothes, never been anywhere else, eventually went to Fruki because they didn't like what was going on with the top team in Glenrothes, with the first team. You know, they didn't know these guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've no disrespect to any of the guys who were involved in that final season that I was there, but beating Grange at Grange with a full-strength team was one of the greatest strengths, I think, that, 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 that Glenrothes ever achieved. But a lot of those guys that played in that team, not all of them, a lot of them were there for the team and for the status of being in that, in that league. In they that weren't line. people that were ever going to be at the club after that, and I could understand what people were saying to me. I, could, I totally got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was taking away the community aspects of what we had built for so long. But I didn't hear anyone coming to say to me at any point, I don't think we should take this promotion this year. I mean, no, yeah. one, no one came and said that. You know what I mean? It's like that. Not one, not one discerning voice to say, maybe we should think about this. You know what I mean? If we get promoted, it's going to mean having to bring in guys to stay at that level and compete at that level, it's going to be guys that aren't really part of this club into this club. You know what I mean? And maybe that's where the likes of Livingston are not making the mistakes that I did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if Livingston, every time you go on, on Twitter, you see something good coming out of, out of Livingston, some sort of engagement. Even if it's not their tweet, they're commenting on something that, and they, they seem to be sort of looking to improve their, their youth system and not really bothered about their I don't even know if they've got a senior team do they yeah they do, they do. I, mean, I think they, it, I think they play in mid-levels the mid-levels two or three of Esca sort of area yeah. I'm not entirely sure is Livingston the old fault house team or is that completely miles no, away? no no complete, completely different it's not miles yeah. away it's probably yeah. 15 miles maybe uh, uh, I always think fault house is the uh, when you get to fault house that's where you notice the accent starting to change from east to west that's a, a living, Livingston <laughs> the line in the Bath, sand yeah Livingston <laughs> Bathgate just stay in the east but uh, I played a couple of times at fault house and I really feel like I'm in the west by the time I get there <laughs> <laughs> take it rains all the time now it did, it did on that. It did on the two times I played there. It was. Uh, I'm not saying it wasn't damp, but it was certainly. Uh, it was certainly dry. Eddie, you're, you've been away from cricket for a couple of seasons, mate, and um, we've talked about it pre-show. But obviously, you've you've uh, started up your podcast based majority around Liverpool FC and the Anfield Index. How's uh, yeah. how's that gone for you? Uh, that's good. I mean, it's a, it's not something I founded. 
Uh, it's been going for ten years now, uh, nice. so it's not. Uh, it's, uh, it's 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 been around a while. A guy called Gags Tandon uh, from Wolverhampton funded it. And it's funny because cricket is what got me in touch with him. Uh, obviously, I was involved in the Crick Index podcast, uh, and it was all around that index. That was one of his brands. And I said to him, "Look, I think I could do something with uh, with cricket podcasting." That was how I got to know the guy. Uh, and uh, around that time that I got involved with him, he was looking for an investor to come in and. Uh, help him grow a subscription model to make some money out of podcasting. He 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 works for uh, HMRC for his sins. And as a result of that, uh, he didn't have as much time as he would like to have dedicated to the business. Now you have a Anfield Index was already well established, a Twitter account with 120,000 followers. You know yeah. what I mean? It was, a, it was a big deal. And their podcasts were getting sort of six ranging between 60,000 and sometimes up to 200,000 listeners you know what I mean you're right in the boom of yeah. podcasting with that you know what I mean uh, they were in early and they were well established aside a, a couple of other Liverpool brands called might not know these but there's the Anfield Rap and there's uh, another one called Red Men TV so there were sort of three brands uh involved at, at the sort of early onset and uh really the reason I got involved with Gags is because he wanted to try and develop a model where we can make the whole thing pay you know what I mean? Uh, it could it could pay the people that were on the shows. It could pay for uh, it could pay for the production, and we could do more things. So, what we decided to do, and the reason I got involved originally, was to help develop a subscription model. So, not to not to suddenly switch off the free content that people have got used to, to keep that, but to add something new into the mix that people would be willing to pay a fiver a month for. So that was the uh, that was why I got involved, and that was what five years ago now. So. Uh, that was why we developed uh, Anfield Index Pro. And uh, as a result of that, I've now got involved in the whole of Anfield Index. And we're doing merchandising. We run shops. <laughs> we have uh, – it's crazy. You know I mean, and even in the early days uh, behind Anfield Index Pro, we wanted to get coaches on. We wanted to get scouts on. People that you had to pay to come on a show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Analysts. Not someone, not someone that's just uh, going to give an opinion. Someone that would give a qualified opinion based on their profession. They're at yeah. us why it's pro. You know what I mean? We wanted professional people on. We had Paul Dalgleish doing our tactics show. We had Jan Mulby coming on and giving his anal analysis every week. We have Simon Brundish, who's a sports scientist, coming on and giving stuff on fatigue. We have a sports psychologists doing stuff on the mental aspect of the game and psychology, sports psychology and things like that. So it was about having shows that were really, really geeky, if you like, you know, what I mean? <laughs> okay, yeah. for, for genuine nerds like myself <laughs> that, that, that wanted to hear about some of these real insular things. And then obviously Kenny Dalgleish coming on board is another game changer, you know, what I yeah. mean? and uh, getting to do shows regularly with him is something that I would never have envisaged at the start. But these are the doors that open. I mean, Paul Dalgleish just said to me one day, uh, and, and normally if someone said to, to you, what do you think about my dad coming on a show? You know, <laughs> and I'm like, your dad! You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and we he's, managed got, to <laughs> he's got a bit of sense of humour, Kenny Dalgleish, as well, doesn't he? Oh, I think he, gets, he gets portrayed in the media, certainly in the Scottish media, as a bit of a kind of a droll, mumbling character. But I, I've seen some stuff with him. He's, he's, he's got a bit of crack. Oh yeah, I think only the I think the thing with Kenny is that the uh, the media he only wants to tell 
what he wants them to know and know more. He doesn't want to make their job easy, you know what I mean? They don't make his job easy, so I think he yeah. make theirs easy, you know what I mean? And the stuff he the stuff he did with me, a lot of people say that's first of the speaking in that environment in a podcast environment like what we're doing here is effectively the most open they've ever seen him the way he speaks to me on shows. You know what I mean? And it, I mean it is it's absolutely crazy. There was a show just as we kind of came into lockdown in March that we did and uh he ended up putting he's, he's in dispute over a goal he thinks he's one ahead of Dennis Law uh because he's sure that this goal against Spain or something in 1970 something crossed the line and if a VAR was around then it would definitely have been a goal so he loaded it on YouTube during the podcast and we didn't stop him commentating on it you know what I mean it absolutely descended into chaos it was unbelievable but he's a, he's a very funny guy and uh I speak to him regularly and it's always uh, an absolute privilege to do so you know what I mean it's uh, very fortunate to have developed a small company that's managed to go that far within in podcasting and media oh yeah yeah i'll need to have a listen to that i've not actually listened to that i'm not i would never choose to listen to a liverpool podcast but i'll <laughs> i'll give it i'll give it a listen i think you're not you're not going to do a starks park index no no i don't think so i don't think the demand would <laughs> be there for it. i, I mean I've done, I've done stuff with reef rover before i sponsored that when i had a company called life sport obviously that i was involved ah, yeah. with and uh, they sponsored glorothas as well and they also sponsored Wraith rover shirts as well so ah, uh, yeah i remember seeing uh, that, that, yeah. that, that that was something that, that was something else so I've, I've done my little bits for uh Wraith rovers as well over the years but uh, <laughs> the uh i don't know scottish football would, it doesn't really float my boat in as a viewing spectacle. You know what I mean? I don't know why. I, do. I used to have loads of interest in it, but it just doesn't do much for me now. Maybe I've just got too busy. I think once I kind of came out of the cricket stuff, I just wanted to focus on work again. So I just got Aye. stuck right, right back into my businesses. You know what I mean? And yeah. Doing what, I, doing what I could there. And whilst I'm still involved in one sports business, it's not really about sport. It's about media and marketing. Yeah. There was one thing that we, we wanted to speak about as well was, uh, was Shri Sant. At Glen Rothis. Yeah. Like he took five for yesterday. Did he? Five for twenty <laughs> five for five for twenty-one in a state game age thirty-eight. <laughs> wow. Yeah, like how did that even come about, Eddie? Did, did he come to you? Did you go to him? No, like, no, no, nothing uh, like that. No. What happened was again, it's amazing these things that happened by accident. It was a it was a work thing. Uh he uh there was an event and it was shown on Sky. It was called the Titans of Cricket, and it happened at the O2 in London. And uh Freddie Flintoff, Steve Harmison, guys like that were representing England. You had Adam Gilchrist representing Australia. Uh I think Sri Sant was there and Shaida Freedy was there for Pakistan and all that. It was just this sort of idea that the founders had to make it this indoor cricket thing that legends could do. And Uh it was cricket, it was cricket based games. You know, Mike, can you hit a, can you hit a ball into a net straight? Can you do it on an off drive? Can you do it Uh on an on drive and things like that? Who could hit the ball the hardest? You know, like these things you get the fairground where you punch the thing or you kick the ball and it tells you how hard you do it. It was all things like that. And it was a competition. It was called the Titans of Cricket and they did show it on Sky. And I met, I was one of the sponsors for that event uh, through one of the business I was involved in. And at the back party afterwards, uh, I, w- I just got speaking to Sri Sant kind of then. And I, he was still, that was before India had even won the World Cup. So, I mean, uh, I'm going back a while now. Uh, but that's how I knew him. Uh, ah, okay. I, got to, I got I got to know him through that event, and then obviously when I saw what happened to him with the uh, with the ban and stuff, uh-huh. uh, I knew a couple of people uh, a couple of people that worked with the ICCC, and uh, it was a way of trying to see what really the foundation was for behind this ban. So I, I just tried to help. Him. You know ah, what okay. I mean? I, I didn't I didn't want to assume any guilt or anything. I just wanted to kind of try and put him in touch with some people that might have been able to help his case. Yeah, uh, and that. And then kind of on the back of that, it was more 
it was more him than anything else. It was like, well, I can't play for India, but surely I could come and play in Glenrothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That was, uh, and then he sort of drove that. You know what I mean? I'm not doing anything this, I won't be doing anything this British summer because no one, I can't play for anyone. So surely I could come and play for you. But the problem was, I spoke to Cricket Scotland at the time, India, the way that cricket works, the ICC is a, it's, it's a it's a it's an old boys club in some yeah, ways, you uh, know what I mean? Mm-hmm, it's, it's not mm-hmm. it's not an association as such that's there for the good of the game. It's there for the good of its members, you know what I mean? So it has some really quirky rules, and one of them is that a home board has to issue an NOC, an objection certificate, to any of its players to play outside of that country. You know what I mean? So that's why you don't see Indian players playing in any of the other twenty twenty franchises. I was going to say, yeah. The BCCI is so interested in protecting the, the IPL that they just won't. They almost see they almost see them players as property of the IPL. You know That's what I mean? Wild, so it's like, yeah. And and Indian cricket, so they don't want to boost anyone else's revenues or let anyone. They see them as competitors. Yeah. So they don't. So I spoke to Malcolm Cannon, obviously who was in charge at Cricket Scotland at the time, and he says, "Look, there's nothing legally that they can do to let Sri Sant come and play in Scotland." Yeah. Because the BCCI won't issue him with a no objection certificate. Ah, so effectively, that was the whole thing. That was where that fell down. He was all set for it. You know, yeah. he, he was coming. He'd looked at houses in the town. He was bringing his family. He was, he was all set for it. But I could never get around that whole thing that there was no, no objection certificate. And it became a thing where almost the publicity for the club was worth was worth it you know what i mean it absolutely was, uh, i mean it got huge publicity for glen rothis and uh, that was why it was worth pursuing you know what i mean and until until there was no chance if you like you know what i mean until well uh, until either he got too old or he wasn't gonna get allowed to play again but I think he is allowed i see he played again obviously he's playing again he's played three or four state matches and uh, i saw he he took pfeiffer and Robin Utapa, another batter in the past, scored 81 off the balls or something. So, uh, ah, he's I'm a maybe, I, I'll maybe, I'll maybe give those boys a call and see if they fancy <laughs> some social cricket. <laughs> <laughs> I might come out of retirement myself. <laughs> Eddie, it's been, it's been uh, excellent spending this uh, hour with you. I don't know if you'd ever heard or seen the power plays, which we leave till the end. They're basically 50 50 choice questions, and we'll wrap oh, Yeah, through. I did see, I did hear this. So, I'll <clears> start off. Falkland or Fruki? Oh, gee. <laughs> uh, I'd say I'll say Falkland now because I like a lot of the guys up there, but probably Fruki. Fruki historically, I prefer Fruki's ground. I think it's the best ground in fights. So oh, well. Love that, Eddie. Fruki's a great ground. Falkland, cattle patch. <laughs> lose to Everton or lose to United. <laughs> we lost the both in the past few weeks. I'll say, uh, I'll say, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll think of the guys that are my friends that live in Merseyside, and I'll say, I'll lose to Everton's worth. <laughs> pint sesh or nip sesh? Uh, it'd have to be a pint for me. I'm not into this sort of short thing. It's like 2020 or Test cricket. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, like, it's not even. It's not even really a debate, is it? Really? I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. Any uh, particular uh, pint? 
for you, Eddie? Uh, I like some of the I like some of the sort of cascales and stuff. But my wife bought one of these machines, you know, these kegs that you put the keg yes. in. So I got I got that for my last birthday. So uh, we decided to buy a new fridge freezer. So the old ones relocated to the garage, and it's absolutely chocker of these things just now. So <laughs> there's a bit of a mixture. It's more your traditional stuff. I like some of the Spanish stuff, like Cruz Campo and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Or the the Thai beer and you know like stuff like that. Nothing too fancy. You know what I mean? And I don't mind a pint of stout if I'm out as well. You know what I mean? So. Uh, I'll, I'll drink pretty much anything, but never too much of it these Aye. days because I have a, a young child and, uh, well, youngish, but a maniac of a child. And if you get up the next day with a hangover, it will be the worst day in life. So I don't get drunk anymore and I haven't for a long time. <laughs> right. Hopcroft under a high catch to win the match or Crichton under a high catch to win oh, the match? There's... He's got bucket hands, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh no, Hopcroft definitely. No, no disrespect to Kenny, but Fielding's never been one of his strong points. So the, I'd give, uh, I'd, I'd take Kenny as a bowler, but, uh, but, but Hopcroft under a catch under every a catch. day of the week and, and twice on a Sunday. <laughs> Easy one, you ready? Warm up football or warm up rugby? I'd always do football because I enjoy it more, but I think people get injured more that way as well. So probably the same answer is rugby. But uh, for me personally, I'd always play football. I've already answered this one, but T20 or Test? Oh, it's like, what? It's like, not even <laughs> the same bloody game. The, no, no, I, I should show some respect to T20 because T20 is a great way to grow the game. You know yeah. what I mean? And, that, and that's what I'm for. So I'm not going to dismiss it. But if, if I'm turning to watch something, like I think there's been a few 2020 tournaments on yet recently on TV. I've not watched any of them. I can tell you I watched almost every ball from 4 a.m. of the India-England test yeah. I stayed up most of the night watching the Australia-India test match, you know what I mean? So, uh, so no, as a, view, as a viewer and a spectator, test matches every day, but as a marketeer and someone that would be interested in growing the game, I'll take 2020 as well, you know what I mean? They yeah. both have their places. And even this, even this T10 stuff has its merits as well, you know what I mean? I've never watched the game of it, but I'm sure that it would help attract people to the game, so I'm for anything like that. Important question, Eddie. Are both smoky or a four for Brady? <laughs> I haven't, haven't partook in any of them actually, but I, I did hear I did hear a podcast right, and it was Craig Burley and Steve Nichol on the. Uh, it's the uh, one that goes out. They're both. They're all based in the states. It's ESPN, ESPN, yeah, in ESPNFC, and uh, Steve Nichol was saying that he made his debut for Air playing our both, and uh, they asked Craig Burley. He said, "Craig, he says, what's our both famous for?" And uh, Steve Nichol didn't have a clue. And Craig Burley says, what's oh, the smoky? And Steve Nichol says, what's that? He says, I don't have a clue. You know what I mean? So it shows you that these, uh, these Scots guys from the West Coast don't have a clue what an Arbroath smoky is. You know what I mean? So it's like, no, I, I, I remember going to Arbroath to watch a match once. It was when Danny Green was the manager. So I'm going back a long while. Sure. A, few of the, a, few of the lads, uh, a few of the lads that I was on the bus with went and got an Arbroath smoky. And... Uh, I don't know why I just didn't fancy it. Uh, so I'm sure oh. it tastes one. I'm, I'm sure it tastes wonderful, but I've, I've never had that privilege. Maybe I'll come back one day and try one. It's beautiful, Eddie. Smoked had I've it. got a lot. Oh. I've got a lot. My culinary, uh, my culinary uh, ambitions have expanded a bit since I was 17. So I'm sure I would. Uh, I'm sure I would definitely eat one up now if I was up that way again. <laughs> right, Begging or Watson. <laughs> Oh dear God, you're good with these questions. Uh, I don't know how long you must have took to think of these. The, uh, Just before we, uh, you go any further, I did not pick this question. Liam chose this one. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, 
again, both lads have contributed so much to, to, to what I was doing at the time and both in different ways. But I'd have to say Rhino because he's a good mate of mine and he supports Liverpool as well. So it's like uh, the, uh, the, no, Ryan, and I see Ryan as much as I can still speak to him as much as I can still. So I, I, I speak to Graham every now and then and if I can help him out with anything, I will. But uh, I've known Ryan for a lot longer and uh, and and for as great as Graham was, uh, I don't speak to him that often, and uh, I wish I did actually. I wish I speak to him more because I love the guy. But uh, he's doing well. Uh, I just know. Yeah, I, I know he's in New Zealand now, yeah. isn't he? so he's uh, he, he's doing really well for himself. And he, uh, a really, really great lad as well. A real crack, great cricketer, but an even better lad. And uh, I think Ryan's probably a better lad than he is a cricketer. Certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> had, uh, had the keys to the Spanish villa found his way into Rhino's pockets a few times, Eddie. Gee whiz, you're going into trade secrets. Uh, I, I think it would be uh, I think it would be a lie to say that Ryan hasn't been there at least once, probably <laughs> twice, and maybe even three times. <laughs> uh, score a hundred or take a five for. I've never done either. Uh, the uh, I think I didn't bowl really. I took four. I think I took four for a few in my last season, but uh, it's uh, it's not something that. Uh, that I probably prefer to I probably prefer to score hundred because it's just oh. one of those things that you can look back on and say you did. You know, what I mean, it doesn't matter what level of cricket you do it in, you did it. You know, what I mean, whereas I think a fifer can be something that you do as a fluke. You know, what I mean, it's like <laughs> it could just it could just be that day you could you could be playing certainly the level I played in. You could be went on to bowl at the death with all the young kids that are just coming in that have made up the numbers or guys that don't even know how to hold a bat the right way you can get five for so I'm not <laughs> meaning to disparage bowlers in what in any shape or form but I think a five is a lot easier to achieve than a hundred. Well going on to bowlers Eddie she Santh with a new ball or Safi Sharif with a new ball. <laughs> is that another Liam one? <laughs> Egg, funnily enough <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, Safi, I absolutely love. I saw him a couple of months ago talking about a few bits and bobs, but uh, she sent one World Cup, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, <laughs> uh, and played test cricket for India, yeah, took an amazing amount of wickets. He got everyone good in the game out as well. So I think, uh, I think Sri Sant has a nose on, on that one. <laughs> Salah or Mani? Right, this is not a hard question to ask because I talk about this stuff all the time. So it's Salah, <laughs> and it's it's Salah because the numbers. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's for no other reason. You know what I mean? The guy absolutely delivers. So uh, for me, as great as Sadio Mane is, and uh, if we have to evolve the front three at Liverpool, and there's a lot of talk about that happening uh, imminently, uh, if one of them, I would personally, if I, if you had to sell one of them to evolve. The team I would sell money and I'd renew Salah's contract. If that was my choice, that's what I would do. But most Salah's numbers are absolutely off the scale. So for me, Salah every day. What about Firmino? Hates, <laughs> hates scoring goals. <laughs> Again, that's a that's a tough one. And I've actually done a piece on that today uh, in the Anfield Index newsletter that's going out. Uh, so uh, that, that's something that we've written about today. On, on, on it's, it's one of those, you know what I mean? It's like the things that... Roberto Firmino is being criticised for now are the exact same things that he was doing when Liverpool were winning. It's not like he, they say, oh, he's a deep lion number nine. Well, he always has been. He doesn't finish well. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's not, his game has never been, he, he's a, he's the stereotypical false nine. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. he's never been, he's never been the striker that people seem to think he was. Yeah. 
he 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 overperformed his XG in the year that he scored twenty goals or whatever. But really, yeah. other than that, he's always been a he's a systemic player, and uh, he's been a great player for Liverpool. But I think the system will evolve without him. But I don't think it's because he's suddenly become a really poor player. I just think that look at the way Jurgen Klopp plays players; their legs fall off. I know. You know yeah. I mean, they fall they fall off sooner than a lot of other players will <clears> at that same age. So, I think we're coming to the end of Roberto Firmino's time, but. A player, what a brilliant player and brilliant servant he's been to Liverpool. But I, I think I've come into uh, a natural end to uh, that Roberto Firmino false nine, and I think that plan was already underway even before the the, the wheels came off this uh, this year. And I think that was part of the Diogo Jota signing. We know they tried to sign uh, Nabil Fakir a couple of years ago as well. So I think even Klopp's been planning to uh, evolve from four three three for a while now, but circumstances have just not allowed that to happen. Aye, right. Last question, Eddie. Wear a Duncan Ferguson Everton kit for a week or wear an MCC blazer, tie and hat for a week? <laughs> oh, I have to, I have to, is, that, is that bacon and egg thing, is it? Ah, that's the bacon the and eggs, yeah. Mm. Oh, I'd, I, I'd do that if they'd give me tickets to watching the main pavilion at Lord's. No, that would be the one. No, that's quite an easy one. You know what I mean? You can just go with the Hobnob Brigade, have some prawn sandwiches. Bit of that's a great to say, prawn sandwiches. You know what I mean? I, I would fit right in with those guys. I'd probably get kicked out after the second day. Like, Oh no, I would that, I would love that rubbing shoulders with Umia Mohammed and Pete McSimchik. Oh you, you yeah, fit in perfectly. Definitely, definitely. Get me in the MCC. I've never joined, never will. But uh, I got that opportunity to uh, to go and hobnob with them all at all uh, in the long <laughs> in the long room for a few hours. I think I'd be in my element with that. I'd certainly change my voice. I'd, 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 I'd oh, have to. Uh, yeah, definitely. I put on the uh, I put on the old posh posh voice from Bourne School days. <laughs> Do you know, I've noticed Ben Stokes every time he's on the telly, he speaks like that. You know, like he's like he's in the long room, or you know, yeah. You have to. That's not how he speaks. <laughs> no, definitely not. No. It's, it is. It is. It's funny how how you change in the company that you're in. I mean, that's like uh, I've stood up and spoke at seminars and stuff in front of thousands of people, and it's like your voice just completely changes. It's really <laughs> weird. And my voice is one of those complete unknown ones because if I go back home down south, everyone thinks I'm from Glasgow. If I if uh, I'm up, up out up here, everyone thinks I've just come out of the scene of East Enders. You know what I mean? It's, you can't. You, you can, and then you get the odd one that says, "Ah, you're from South Africa." You know what I mean? So it's like you get you kind of. Uh, I can't win. I've got an accent from nowhere. <laughs> Quality. Well, thanks very much, Eddie, for coming on. It's been that's been uh, good. That for me. absolutely excellent. I, I hope some of it's useful. No, I've been brilliant. Yeah, I told you. I told you I wouldn't hold back on cricket, Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> but we want, we want honesty, Eddie. <laughs>